0: Uh, I'm going to run through this and uh, not take a, try not to take a whole lot of time. Uh, but uh, our our nation, our Ukrainian nation, is, is under siege tonight. It's uh, literally been destroyed heavily in many areas, especially along the, the eastern border. And uh, I want to show a little bit of that devastation to you. Uh, this is an apartment building. You can see the playground out front. And war does not close doors to the gospel, it opens them and uh, we have had to make adjustments with our missionaries of course before the war started um, the uh, board voted to have all our missionaries come out we have some bwm uh, missionaries that work with us uh, there in ukraine and uh, uh, helping with our school and so they went to warsaw poland uh, and from there we hooked up with gfa missionary brother peterson who is there in warsaw and they are continue the ministry and i'll tell you a little bit about what we've uh, been doing but uh, this is just one picture of many and i'm sure you have seen it on um on television as you have the last seven months i mentioned in the video that there's 44 million people that lived in ukraine since the war started this was july 4th 2022 the united nations put this out over 12 million ukrainians have been displaced from their homes. And most of them uh, have left the country. Many of them do not want to leave the country. And they find refuge in our churches, those 95 churches uh, that we started. They find refuge in our camp that I'll talk about here in just a moment. Uh, let me talk to you about the red arrows first and then the blue stars, okay? So you've got it divided up. The red arrows are the Russian troops and how they began their strategy uh, in coming into Ukraine. And uh, this this north and eastern border is uh, where most of the fighting goes on. And uh, up until last month, uh, they had taken well over 50,000 square miles of territory, the Russians had. And uh, the Ukrainians started getting help Uh, from not just our nation, but others. Uh, They learned how to fire the weapons, and they pushed back, and you may have heard this on some of the news stations, they pushed back and took back 23,000 square miles along the eastern border, which we were were thankful for. I must tell you that these people, since the wall came down in 1987 and freedom uh, rushed through this country, that they love their freedom. They love democracy. Uh, Now, I want you to know that crime and corruption is in every government, and you would know that. If you're an American citizen, you'd have to have your head deep in the sand if you didn't know that uh, in our own country. So there's always crime and corruption where the human heart uh, is involved. But these people love their freedom, and they are willing to fight to the death, and they have uh, fought to the death, and they will continue to do so. Uh, down to the last breath and the last soldier. So this war is not going to go away anytime soon. It's it's long-term. And Mr. Putin believes this, because he's a communist in heart, he believes that all those countries that were liberated in 1987, when our president said, tear down this wall to Mr. Gorbachev, uh, he believes that all those countries are part of the motherland, a part of Russia, and so he believes he's doing a moral thing, coming in and invading Russia. When he finishes or invading Ukraine, when Russia finishes invading Ukraine, they will go to Lithuania. And when they finish Lithuania, they'll go to Moldova. And uh, his goal is to get the land back. Now he's been pressed against the wall of late because now he has men under his in his regime that's questioning his leadership so we have no clue about his health we have no clue what, he had surgery not long ago we do know that but Mr. Putin is doing everything he can to to take this country and um, uh, the president President Zelensky there in Kiev uh, he's a very strong proponent of free, of freedom like I said <clears throat> Of course, there's crime and corruption in every government. And you gotta remember that war does one thing to those who are in the power to be. War makes money for those people. They gotta have a conflict to make money and, so, and make big money. And so this is, this is uh, unfortunate because these people are lovely people. Uh, I've been there, uh, I've lived in their homes with them With one physician I remember early on who who loved the Lord, spent 10 years in prison because he would not, he would not do what the Russian government said in the matter of his medical practice and spent 10 years in in a work camp uh, because of it. So these people, they love the Lord and and they love, the Christians do, and they love their freedom. Now let's start over here in Poland quickly uh, over on the west side This is where our missionaries, uh, we were in Kiev mainly. We moved over here just before the war started and uh, joined uh, forces with uh, Brother Peterson, who is with GFA. And uh, we are presently raising money for humanitarian, humanitarian aid to go into this country. And we have a camp right here in Lusk, our summer camp. Uh, it has been just a day camp, so all of our buildings were not, were not winterized, but now we house over a 100 refugees in our camp. We're feeding them daily. These people do not want to leave the country. They want to go back to their city, back to their homes if anything's left of them after the war, and so they have no desire to, to leave the country. Uh, I mentioned in the video that Helaminsky Right here is where our main school was until COVID. And then SBI, Slavic Baptist Institute, and New Life Baptist Church. Derek is the pastor of that church, uh, is in Kiev. So Derek is returning Tuesday back to the States. He's been over there three times now since the war has started. He goes in, checks on our humanitarian aid at the camp, and um, preaches, visits our, our pastors, as many as he can get to, they spent a lot of time, he told me, by the way, this these slides, the, the the heart of the slides here coming up, was just sent to me, the pictures that you're going to see tonight, was just sent to me Friday and yesterday. So you're going to get a really good update on this, but I want to lay out the history. Um, oh, let's see here. I'm sorry, I went the wrong way. I thought I was hitting the light. Okay, there we go. Uh, Kharkiv, right here, is where uh, the fighting was heavy about three months ago. Maripol, you may have heard about that in the news on the southern um, part, in the, right on the Black Sea. That's the Black Sea there. So these, these cities were, were bombed heavily. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a shame in which uh, what Mr. Putin is doing uh, to a country that, that loves their freedom... This is a picture of our humanitarian aid. Uh, We stockpile it there. We we purchase the aid. And what I love about this, and Pastor Chuck Phelps said this in an interview recently for one of our our, uh, productions. He said, what I like about our church giving humanitarian uh, offerings to the humanitarian aid is that there's no overhead. So when churches or individuals give to the humanitarian aid or to the general fund for us to continue various ministries there... Uh, It goes, uh, that humanitarian aid, 100% goes uh, to buying food items, uh, blankets. Uh, Of course, we give New Testaments, as you will see in the bags down there, our New Testament. This lady received, and we were able to take some pharmaceuticals in. She was able to get uh, some of her her medical needs met, and she's saying thank you there in front of Derek. Uh, He sent this picture not long ago. This is our camp. This is our chapel in our dining hall uh, there in the Carpathian Mountains. And we're winterizing it. Uh, we, we sent $17,000 for the purchase of the roof. Uh, and then there was a, a ministry out of Sweden that came. And they put on the, the, the metal roof. And then they put all new windows, all new doors, so that we are now winterized. And we're winterizing also cabins so that people could stay there. Uh, year round, pray for our camp ministry. Uh, the needs grew so quickly and so much has been given and purchased. We purchased this van uh, not long ago, uh, and it's mainly working in the east in the eastern part um, and uh, one of our one of our students and staff members of, of Slavic Baptist Institute drives this van twice a week into war zones to deliver humanitarian aid to our to our pastors um, and their people this is of course uh, eric is the tall uh, drink of water there in uh, the picture and uh, sergey is in the brown jacket and then these men are drivers uh, the the man on on the left um was an atheist and he started volunteering to drive for us and he kept seeing what god's people were doing they kept witnessing to him and he recently got saved. And so we're, we're thankful. We're seeing people saved in our refugee camp. We're seeing people saved when we have open air meetings and uh, we give humanitarian aid out. Uh, it's amazing. I, I tell you, this uh, was really a blessing. Early on in the war, back probably in March and April, uh, into March 1st of April, there were two semi-truck loads of flour that was in warsaw that we purchased for $8,000 and we took those two two semi trucks all the way across from warsaw all the way across uh to hardikov and in hardikov we have a church one of our um graduates have, have a church there the national pastor had a baker in his church and so they unloaded all the flour and by the way As they were going, some of the roads were bombed after they had passed through. They couldn't even go back the same route. Uh, It took them two days to get back uh, to to the west. And so this baker started baking bread 24 hours a day. And the line for them to get bread was so long the national pastor would bring them in. And he would give them bread. And then he would tell them about the bread of life and uh, many, many people uh, were saved. So the Lord is opening these doors with our national pastors uh, in in quite a unique way. Let me tell you about uh, Captain Josh Darnell. He's a Northland graduate and he's had a heart for missions. He's been in several third world countries for the last few years. So he, he, on his own voluntarily with his own money got on an airplane at the beginning of the war and went over and met with the Ukrainian government and said, "Uh, I'm trained, uh, I'm an American citizen that's trained in the Bible, and I want to be a chaplain, and I want to be placed with soldiers on the front lines. And so Josh has served two short terms. He is there now. Uh, and we have been, once I, once I met him, I won't go into how that happened, but once I met Josh, my heart went out to him because he has, he has no mission board. His home church is very involved. And so we have gotten involved where we are helping him financially as he goes over uh, and preaches and, and, and he has literally taken wounded soldiers to hospitals uh, he has witnessed to them. He has, they've seen uh, people saved. Josh is a unique person. He was at our board meeting in August and, and addressed our board and thanked them for our involvement as we've been able to help them. He's over there now, and he's at our camp uh, helping provide some security for the deliverance of some of our humanitarian aid. Uh, but, but for two terms, he was with a special forces uh, unit of 18 people. And he called me and uh, he said, Pastor Erwood, these soldiers have been, they only have one uniform and they've been in those uniforms for months. Uh, And so he was coming home and I said, is there a place where you can buy them uniforms? And he said, yes. So when he went back over a few weeks later for for his second term, uh, he went to a compound where they sold army surplus stuff. And he bought two changes of clothes and several changes of underwear for his, for his men. Now, those men have since been disbanded because their unit fulfilled their goal. And many of them were snipers, uh, and they were doing their duty. And uh, he had the privilege of, of leading some of them to the Lord. Uh, it's been a great challenge for Josh. He's quite a unique person. He's here with uh, uh, our missionary, Derek. Uh, Derek Thomas, and uh, they were passing out New Testaments that day. Uh, Tree and Romaine are students at Slavic Baptist Institute. They're married. Um, she is in the green uh, sweater, and he's holding one of, the, two of two of their children. Of course, that's uh, Alvina that's uh, one of our students, and staff members is holding their baby. But what I want you to look at real closely is their car. If you look at it real closely, can you see how it's riddled with bullets? Uh, They have shot at them on the way. One of our church members um, there in Haliminski was killed. Two of them were wounded and one of them died at church after they were arriving at prayer meeting. So this is a real war. This is a real time uh, for these these people. Uh, Derek sent this picture. He was so excited and he left me a voice message this is an open-air meeting that took place last week in the Ukraine. Uh, he said that there were around 1,400 in attendance. Uh, and then they, after preaching, several made professions of faith. And, of course, they gave out humanitarian aid. And the people were, were thankful for it. They're very, very thankful uh, for it. And so this was in eastern Ukraine in a very difficult time. So what is the vision of Slavic Baptist Mission as we are now in this war? Uh, And I did a little acrostic. First of all, we still want to go and preach the gospel to every creature in Ukraine. We have burden for the Slavic nations and, of course, Ukraine, which is at war. Um, Open doors. We would like for the Lord to continue opening doors for Slavic Baptist Mission, our national pastors, the Slavic Baptist Institute. We have not held classes. This February will be one year that we have not held classes. And we want to get back to holding classes. The problem is it's not a problem of crossing the border. Uh, all, all you need is a passport, to, and we have peop, we have students that come from Moldova, Romania, Lithuania. We we had we had students from Belarus, but Belarus is very communistic, and so they frown on on that, um, of course. Uh, but we want to start back uh, our institute. Uh, we do have a presence uh, in Laos. Uh, I'll talk about that maybe at another time. That the Lord has. Um, Open up for us, um, and then souls to be saved in our re- refugee camp and the evangelistic open air meetings. Uh, we want to continue those. And peace stands for prayer, prayer for the suffering saints in our churches, prayer for our our, our ninety five pastors that are dealing with family. Many of them are giving up their lives. Many of their young men are going to war and not coming home. Um, it's a it's a sad day if you would do a walk through in any major city along the eastern and southern border you would you would just cry because of the situation over there of course we want to continue educating our nationals and establishing uh, local churches and also we're always looking for laborers uh, to be sent into the harvest Uh, this past year i had the privilege of of preaching at ambassador baptist college and there's a a student there a, a, a lady student a and she has written me several times. She believes that God has called her. She's single, single student, that God has called her to missions. And she says, I cannot get the Ukraine out of my heart. And somehow, someday, I want to serve the Lord in Ukraine. And I tell you, I thank the Lord for that. Because one of the things that we're struggling with, not just in the Ukraine, but all across America with mission boards, is there, there are very few people People now surrendering to missions—it's far less than it was even 10 years ago, 20 years ago—and so we need for uh, we need to be praying. I'm going to speak to that here in just a moment for the Lord of the Harvest to send forth laborers. So here is a prayer list that you can pray. Of course, we want to pray for the peace of Ukraine, and that's our main uh, prayer request. But, of course, we want to pray for our graduates and our national pastors that are laboring in a war-torn country. One of the pastors called me, oh, probably back late, late uh, summer and said, uh, Brother Errol Wood, we don't sleep in our bedclothes anymore. We sleep in our clothes because the cellar is about 50 yards away that we have to run to to our neighbors for safety. He says, we just sleep in our clothes. So every night, can you imagine hearing sirens go off? Can you imagine hearing bombs go off? Uh, Derek was talking to me on the phone in his second trip there a couple of months ago. Uh, and he said, Pastor, I'm looking. My, my flat, my apartment is on the 10th floor uh, just r- along the Nipper River. The Nipper River runs through the country, splits the country in half. And they're in Kiev. And he says, I can see the, I can see the runway. To the international airport here in kiev and he says i'm i'm watching smoke on the other side of the city and hearing sirens and bombs go off i was awakened to it so our missionaries are in danger when they are over there and we would appreciate your prayers our graduates uh and our national pastors that uh, many of them i have met been in their churches and uh, it's a heartbreak to see a, a nation torn the way it has been torn pray for safety for Derek and Sergey, who is the director of our camp and now he's of course directing the refugee camp and he's the director of, he's our boots on the ground for our humanitarian aid that comes out of Poland to our camp to be distributed to our our, um, our national pastors uh, and other pastors that are good men uh, in their churches so pray for their safety uh, pray for the ministries at our refugee camp we are thankful that we've been able to see some folks saved. Um, many people say, Pastor what you've been doing about this humanitarian aid? Well, since the war started, we began taking, the war started at the end of February. We've been taking humanitarian aid in since March. We have taken over 850 tons, thousands and thousands of dollars worth. So to break it down for you to get in your mind, sitting here in a church in America, about what is happening, about fourteen hundred dollars will buy a ton of food for us to take in, and that's that gets your mind around it just a little bit. And then the general fund uh, helps with SBI staff. Uh, it helps, of course, with Derek. He's our main missionary. Uh, and then we have added Josh uh, Darnell uh, in his chaplaincy, uh, and so from the general fund, uh, we have been helping him a thousand dollars a month uh, to help him get over there to help him get uh, things that he would need We cannot uh, uh, we 're not required to uh, help the the soldiers other than give spiritual aid and he did uh, he didn 't break any laws but Uh, he wanted his his men to have uniforms and the and i am sure again the crime and corruption of all that it's ukraine's responsibility to clothe their men but he said pastor these men have got to have some kind of relief and so we felt compelled as a board to to help and he was able to take those uniforms back in so this is just uh, a couple of ways in which you can uh you can pray for us uh you can pray for Dolly and I. Uh, our responsibility in all of this, in our, in our time of, of being semi-retired, I even hate to use that term because we're, we're so far from retirement, it's pitiful. Uh, we're, we're very busy. <laughs> it's very, very, very busy. I, 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 to, I told people uh, the last six months, uh, I mean, we literally sleep more out of our home than we sleep in our home. Uh, and here's my responsibility. My responsibility is not to go over to U- U- Ukraine and get involved in a war, although I do want to go over, and I'm trying to plan a short one-week trip in November. Uh, I don't know whether that's going to come to pass or not, but we're, we're trying to get that to work. But my responsibility, if we're going to help these Ukrainians, and we're going to help at our camp, and we've, we've made all these adjustments, we've spent thousands and thousands of dollars, and we've literally raised thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, for our humanitarian aid. And like I said, 100% of, our, of, of that aid goes straight to, there's, there's no overhead. And so you give to the Red Cross, you give to others, and I'm not against them. I'm just saying 100% goes. And that's what Pastor Phelps was saying in, the re- in a recent interview. Of, uh, and his church has literally spent, sent thousands of dollars for humanitarian aid. Of course, it's a larger, larger work, and it can certainly do that. So my point is, my responsibility is to raise funds for the general fund. I'm not raising personal support. Nick is raising personal support, and I understand that. But Dolly and I do not have to raise that personal support. And so uh, at the urging of Neil, he wanted me to take this way before uh, he passed away, and I I wouldn't do it. I wasn't finished pastoring, and I wanted to, to, uh, I wanted to, I felt obligated, I created a large two million plus dollar debt down in um, indianapolis and i wanted to be faithful in getting that paid for and so april of 2020 we paid it off about 10 years uh, early and we were grateful and i felt the pressure off of that uh and then i knew at 69 it was the time for me to step away i didn't um i didn't want to just stay just so i could pastor there's other things that i could do so we've been extremely busy uh we haven't had a free sunday in the last uh, four or five months and won't have uh until november when our kids come our kids are coming in november thanksgiving and uh, so we'll spend some time with them uh there in georgia in our home but we are loving what we're doing i'm on the road now so i'm, I'm getting to go to church to church and i want to tell you something you have this church is incredible the music is wonderful. I'm telling you, the music is wonderful. And you have a gift in Pastor Brent and Kelly and their family. And I know you know that. And so you have such a wonderful opportunity here. Uh, and in time, in, in, in as, as you move forward in progress, I can only see you starting to bulge. I told Pastor Brent uh, that, hey, you're, this morning you were over 80% full. And when you're 80% full, here's what happens. you mind if I say this? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you have to keep coming. But when you're, when you're eight and you're growing, and, you, and you're growing. So as you grow, when you get about 80%, it's been proven by statistics that a church, it hinders their growth because people come and they, they can't sit together. They can't, they, they can't find family seats together. And so because, and I looked out this morning, uh, it was very full and very little wood showing. Uh, so, yeah, keep keep coming and keep growing. And one time when I come, uh, we're going to see something else besides this auditorium. Who knows what the Lord uh, may do. You have a wonderful pastor. I love him dearly like a son. Um, and I'm going to carefully put your. All right. All right, with my time remaining, I'm just going to touch on something that I want you to look at from Matthew chapter 28. Nothing new tonight, but I want us to look at the words of Jesus here at the end of Matthew chapter 28 as he gives his commission to his disciples. Now, this is the last marching orders that he gives to the disciples. So what you say at the end is very important. And Jesus is is specifically arresting their attention for the sake of being witnesses uh, into all the world. It begins at Jerusalem and then throughout local areas and then regional areas and then around the world. And so when you and I think about missions, mission starts at home. Uh, <clears throat> You'll be hearing me say this in in a message tomorrow night, Lord willing, that all of us are missionaries. All of us carry the gospel. And so we are thankful and we're grateful for uh, this church who has a missionary vision. It's so important uh, for that to be nurtured along. And you've got a pastor that will certainly, certainly do that. Let's look at what Jesus says beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, this, is his, this, this would be his disciples, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So Jesus was declaring the Dudamas of God was upon his life, and he was going to give that power to them. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Same word in the language. Notice what he says. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture And Lord, we've read it many times. We've memorized it over the years. Uh, We know it. We've heard it preached on scores and scores of times. And Lord, this is a well-taught church. So as we look at your words given to your disciples, and we now in the 21st century are your disciples, and this, this command, this commission is still for us today. And as we look at it, I pray, Lord, that... We would be pricked in our hearts that being a missionary starts right where we are first and foremost, and then branches out, literally, eventually around the world. So Lord, help us to see that tonight, and help us to be comforted in the fact that we're obeying you, that we believe in this commission, that we believe in it so much, that we even have a conference about it. Put an emphasis on it. Put it under the the microscope and in the spotlight so that missions will be ever kept before us. It's critical, Lord, for the life of a church. And I pray, dear God, that as we see this this evening, that we will be reminded of these simple but yet great truths that sometimes, Lord, in our own way, we struggle with. We have a hard time with being a personal soul winner. We have a hard time Changing the subject and turning the subject to spiritual things. And yet, Lord, that's what you'd want us to do. So help us, Lord, as we look at the Great Commission and how it starts in our own life and spreads throughout the church. Um, and then, Lord, you get busy in calling servants from the church um, to worldwide missions. And what a joy that is when we see the circle completed and. Father, we've seen that in the Ukraine many, many times. And we thank you, Lord, for it. We pray, Lord, that you would multiply that in a country, uh, of, in the country of America, which we live, where uh, the American dream is at the top of the totem pole in the hearts and minds of young people and parents and even grandparents. And, Lord, uh, that gets in the way sometimes of the Great Commission. So help us, Lord, to put our agenda aside uh, as we learned about this. Morning and selflessly give ourselves uh, to what you'd have us to learn and be from this message. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I mentioned this, this dudamas, this power that's given. Uh, Dr. Robertson used to have a radio broadcast he called Gospel Dynamite. And he got it from this word from the Great Commission. And Jesus was always, uh, your, your scripture memory making fishers of men is, is all about the emphasis uh, from pastor's heart is that we need to be fishers of men. And that's so true. And I think you'd be shocked that if you just become observant of divine appointments, you'd be shocked at the people that you could talk with about the Lord. And you'd be shocked that when you talk with them about it, they want to talk about it. You'd be shocked about that. For instance, let me give you something fresh. So our neighbors uh, down in Byron, Georgia, where we live, our neighbors are retri- retired. They're from Connecticut. They are both Roman Catholics. And, uh, and so one day in our mailbox was a piece of their mail. And it looked pretty important to me. And I would do this whether it looked important to me or not. But, but I told Dolly, I said, I'm going to take it over there to John and Sylvia. That's their names, John and Sylvia. And so I knocked on the door and, and John is, he's an effervescent personality, you know, a little short, stocky guy. He was a fireman and a, an EMT guy all his life. And uh, so, uh, and we've been talking over the fence and, you know, we've been talking in the yard when you get mail or when I'm working in our yards and he's out in his and, and they, they're really lovely people. They really are, but they're unsaved. They do not know the Lord. And so I knocked on the door, and he, oh, Rick, come in, come in. Sylvia, Rick is here. It's almost like someone has arrived, you know. And I said, I'm just coming to bring your mail. And I said, this mail was in my mailbox, and I wanted to give it to you. Oh, thank you very much. And then he asked a question that no one has ever asked me. And here's what he asked me. Pastor Brent, if you were there, you would have melted. He says, come on in. Can I pour you a glass of wine? No one's ever asked me if I ever wanted a glass of wine. But I got to thinking, and I, I, and I, wanted, to, I wanted to be sincere. I didn't want to say, well, don't you know who I am? I'm a fundamentalist. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. He, don't, he knows nothing. And so uh, I said, no, John. I said, I'm a teetotaler. And he, his, his little bald head all round up. I said, oh, that's a term you don't know. He said, I never heard of that term. And I said, well, I'm a teetotaler. That means I I do not drink any kind of alcohol. He says, oh. He said, my priest would come and visit us and drink wine with us all the time. But now my neighbor's not going to drink wine. And so so she came out of the kitchen. Sylvia did. And here's what Sylvia said. She says, John. she's, she's, She's a sweet lady. She says, John. Can I ask Rick my question? And John said, "Well, yes, he's he's a pastor." That would be great. And so, let me give you the background. She had this on her mind. That was a Thursday. On Friday, they had an appointment with the funeral home. And they were paying for their funeral in advance, and they were going to go t- to a graveyard and pick out two graves because that's where they were going to be buried. They're in their 70s. And here was Sylvia's question to me. She said, I've been thinking about this matter of dying. And she says, I, I'm not ready to die. Rick, can you teach me how to die? That was her question. And I said, Sylvia, I certainly can. That was a wide open door. And I witnessed to both John and Sylvia, told them about the gospel. And they are thinking so much that when I'm home, I preach at a little church across town about five miles from our house just to fill the pulpit there without a pastor. And so Sylvia and John have been coming to that little Baptist church, pastor, and hearing me preach. And we're claiming their soul for the Lord. We we believe the Lord's going to save them. Wouldn't it be wonderful? That all because of a piece of mail. Now, God knew all that timing. And, and that's, the, that's the joy of being a believer who's got being a witness for the Lord and having resurrection power to do it. You, as a believer, you have resurrection power to do this. You don't have to do it on your own energy. And the Lord opens all kinds of doors. We'll be preaching on that also this week. I'm excited about preaching all these sermons, and um, I, I, I appreciate, again, Pastor invited me to do so. But I want you to see three things here, all right? They're simple thoughts, all right? Let's look at the first one. Jesus says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now look down in verse 20, and you see the word teaching. I want you to know that these are not the same words in the text, in the, in the language. So they're two different words. They mean two different things. Let me explain the first one to you, okay? When it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, Jesus was telling his disciples, Go and make disciples. Go in resurrection power and witness. Go in resurrection power and preach. Go in boldness, not arrogance, but in boldness to tell others about Christ. And he's telling us as individuals and as a church that we are responsible to go and make disciples. Have you ever been a part of that? Has there been a time in your life when you were able to share the gospel with someone and draw the net and give them an opportunity to say yes or no to the gospel? That's a true witness. And so he is telling his disciples to go and, and make disciples in all nations. That's why we have world evangelism. That's why you have a conference this week. That's why you support missionaries. And by God's will, you'll support even more missionaries. And, and every time you support a missionary, we learn today, you open the window of heaven to have your need met. And to have the missionaries' need met. When you really get to looking at it, and I, I've had so much enjoyment and spending hours in preparing mission messages. Now, I've preached on missions. I was a pastor for over 42 years, and I've preached on missions many times. Uh, but now I have, I have honed in on, on messages that God has spoken to my heart about, and I see the importance of, of worldwide missions more than even I did as a pastor, even though I've, I've been to the, the field and several foreign countries, as I mentioned this morning. I see what God is doing worldwide and has been doing since the first century, uh, since he, in resurrection power, ascended uh, into, into heaven. So we have this opportunity, first and foremost, to make disciples. That's the command, number one, make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and that's why Brother Nick is taking his family to a close country, Nepal. Uh, as he gave us the, uh, a quick glimpse of what he'll be doing. And I'm looking forward to seeing his presentation. Why is he going there? He's going there primarily, first and foremost, to make disciples. And he's going there for the second thing. And, and by the way, our missionaries should not be our paid soul winners, should they? We should be doing it too. And so they're just not paid soul winners and hey, we pay you to do this and salve our conscience and think we're okay. No, it's, it's deeper than that. You, you can't have a surface relationship with Christ that way. He, he wants it to be much deeper. Now notice also in verse 19, a second great truth. And that is after you make disciples, he wants you to mark them. That's the second thing. Mark these disciples and by Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, one of the greatest privileges as a pastor is to be able to baptize, baptize new converts I, I enjoyed that part of my ministry I, I had pastors on our staff in Indianapolis I wanted to I wanted to give them every bit of the pastoral responsibilities that I could, so oftentimes I would have Pastor Brent baptize and uh, other staff members uh, would baptize because I wanted them, they were, they were assistant pastors, and I wanted them uh, to, to have their, I was going to say get their feet wet, but that's a pun I won't go with, but, uh, but I wanted them to experience as much as possible uh, being a, a pastor. So uh, I would often allow them to do that. Now, every pastor uh, has a baptismal story uh, that is quite unique. And I have several. I'm not going to tell any tonight. But, uh, but I have several that I could write a few chapters about in a book, and it would uh, be a bestseller for the comedy in the baptistry. Um, but just, it just happens that way. But God wants us to baptize all the new converts. And so that's the second thing. We make disciples and we mark them with scriptural baptism. You remember the, the death Deaf lady, she gave us the sign of baptism today. I wanted her to do that on purpose, and so I'm grateful for that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And here's that second word teaching in verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. This word teaching has to do with maturing the believer. So we're to make disciples, we're to mark disciples, and we are to mature disciples. That is the commission for Pastor Floyd. That's what he's doing here. He stands every week behind this holy desk, and he, he preaches the gospel to you. He preaches the truth to you. And because of that, people will hear it. People will get saved. And, and he will mark them with baptism, and then he will disciple them. And he will disciple them sometimes on a personal basis, sometimes in a special classroom. But every one of us gets discipled every week. This man's a good preacher. I know. I've heard him preach many, many times. And you're, you're so privileged to have him. He will feed you the word of God. And I'm so grateful. And you, you're going to continue your spiritual growth and God is going to use him and you in a great way, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. In this maturation process, we see the importance of the local assembly. We see the importance of the local church. This is the context in which you can grow by hearing a radio message, you can grow by reading a book, you can grow by going to a Bible study. But I want to tell you the greatest amount of growth that I have seen in my 42 plus years as a pastor, was seen behind the pulpit as people came with hungry hearts and God worked in their lives. Many of those people have gone on to serve the Lord. Dolly and I have a prayer list that we pray through every morning in our devotion time. On that list is a number of young men that I've had the privilege of working with, that I've had the privilege of influencing their lives a a little bit, and I'm grateful for it. And I want you to know that Pastor and Kelly are on that list. We pray for them every morning. Pray for their family, we pray for you and, and the church here. And as I preach for these young men, they're younger than me, I'm old enough to be their dad, As I preach for them, it brings me such great joy to see how God is using them. And it's all because of the commission in their life. It's all because they were a part of a church. Your pastor heard the truth at Eagledale Crosspoint so to the point that it touched his heart and moved him. And God called him. This is over and over and over. We've seen this uh, in our ministry. And I, I... I pray that he will experience that. He longs to experience it. And we need young people to be thrust into the harvest fields around the world because men are dying and going to hell. And we're closer to the second coming than we've ever been. That's, that's not a time statement. That is a truth. We are closer to the second coming. We find ourselves... Uh, and, And when I look at my life now at 71, I find myself praying what John prayed, even so come Lord Jesus. But until he does... We are to make disciples and mark disciples and mature disciples for the glory of God and build his church and build his kingdom for his honor and his glory. And we do that by actively being involved in a Bible-preaching New Testament church that stands for the commission, that believes in the Great Commission, that believes in worldwide missions, and understands that as we support missionaries, and as we ask God to direct us in our lives, that he opens the windows of heaven and he pours out his blessings on us because we believe what's in this book about the Great Commission. Would you stand with me, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder tonight, I wonder, could there be a young person here in whom God is speaking with. To carry the gospel to some place. Across the world. We heard the testimony of brother Nick. This morning and how God. Spoke to his heart has directed them. To a country and you know. The safest place for. Nick and his wife and two little precious children. Is in the center of God's will which. Will which will take him to Nepal, a very unusual and dangerous country. He'll be safer there than he would be out of the will of God here. It's important to know God's will for our lives. And then perhaps, this has just been a refresher for you as you have thought it through. Privileged to be a part of Berean Baptist Church here in Lafayette. Privileged to be a part of a church in unity, as we learned this morning, with our eyes on the world. The field is the world, and our eyes upon the world. May God take the reading and the preaching of His Word, and may it not.